Holy Communion by St. Peter Julian Amard Continuing Chapter 46 The Life of Nature and of the Life of Grace The natural man clings servilely to the spiritual states which appeal to him. If he finds peace in prayer, he will not quit it even to answer the call of obedience or of charity. It is the same with the other states of soul or of life in which he finds himself. In order to remain at ease, he rejects all that is opposed to his natural good. But whatever he does, and in spite of himself, he is always in a turmoil, because God will not permit him to find peace and joy in the consummation of his earthly aims. The spiritual man finds all the states in which God puts him desirable, and he draws good from all. He knows how to find in them the grace, virtue, and glory of God. In a word, he lives by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is his divine means of life. Moreover, and better still, he lives with Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ. He is in a life association with him. This is a perfect partnership in which are found the characteristics of every honorable association. The members of this association must be honorable. Jesus Christ certainly is honorable, let us say rather adorable. But we, what title have we? Jesus Christ will be content with the state of grace. Provided we are pure and free from all grossness, that will make amends for everything else. For the state of grace, by making us children of God and temples of the Holy Ghost, unites us to Jesus Christ as his members. It permits him to labor within us and use us as his own members for his great work. But what a misfortune it would be were we to be sullied by mortal sin. Then the association would be broken off, for our honor would be lost. Jesus could have no fellowship with us. Venial sin does not entirely break off this association, but it makes it imperfect and languishing. It impedes Jesus Christ, weakens the bond of mutual union. Oh, then let us remain pure always, free even from venial faults. And that is easy, since we can purify ourselves from them by acts of love or by use of the sacramentals. The greater our purity is, the more honorable we are, and the more intimate is our intercourse with Jesus. The closeness of union with our Lord depends on the degree of purity we possess. The members of this association must contribute to a common fund. Jesus Christ contributes all he has and all he is, all the treasures of his grace and glory, in a word, himself, God. We must contribute all we have received in baptism, all the riches of sanctifying grace, and the gratuitous and glorious gifts bestowed upon us by the Holy Ghost upon taking possession of our soul. We must give in addition all the knowledge virtue and merits we have acquired everything but as a guarantee of the perpetuation of our association 
we shall touch neither capital nor profits until the dissolution of the association at our death. We shall never take back anything we have given. Let us often examine ourselves on this point. Some give more, others less. The religious gives his liberty, renounces the possession of temporal goods, and also the love of any creature, even for God. He receives consequently a greater share of the gain. Whatever we may have contributed, let us be faithful in never taking it back, even the smallest part. Lastly, each member owes his personal, disinterested, and devoted cooperation to the common endeavor. We give our labor and trouble. Jesus Christ labors also in us and by us. It is He who sustains and directs us. Without Him, we could do nothing. Let us be as faithful and as willing as He to labor in the common cause, the glory of His Father. Let us never fail Him, and He will never abandon us. See how He describes His action in us. He calls Himself the sap of the vine, and He gives to each of us who are the branches vigor and fruitfulness. Even more, he assures us that if we will enter into this union with him, he will do everything we ask of his Father. Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Finally, he entreats us to abide in his love as he abides in his Father's love wherein he does all the works he sees him do. To abide in his love is to participate, therefore, in his power of action. It is to act by him and in him. And then, what shall we not accomplish? I can do all things in him who strengtheneth me. We shall be able to do all things in this divine center which communicates to us its infinite power. Chapter 47 A Practical Rule of the Supernatural Life Not to go forward in the way of life is to go back. St. Bernard, Second Sermon on the Purification It is a law in the order of nature that life shows itself by movement. It has become an axiom. And we would define inert and lifeless matter the mineral kingdom, for example, by saying it has no movement. Everything moves that has life. Plants move in a continual upward growth and expansion. Even water, though lifeless, becomes a foul swamp if it ceases to move. And fire could not burn if it were not for the current of air that carries its flames upward. It is the same in the intellectual order. He who ceases to learn, who does not every day keep up an ebb and flow, so to speak, between his intelligence and certain knowledge to be acquired, will become an ignorant person. Memory grows strong only by exercise. Will it not be the same in the supernatural order? Yes, certainly. God is one, and all the general laws established by him show the same characteristics follow the same course. 
He modifies them only according to the particular plane on which each one operates. Evidence of the supernatural life in us will therefore be movement forward, progress. This must be progress toward perfection, and as we shall never attain that, our progress must be unending. The teachings of Jesus Christ in regard to perfection prove that progress, movement forward, is necessary. These expressions bear it out. Come, follow me. Walk whilst you have the light. And in the old law, God said to Abraham, Walk before me and be perfect. Our spiritual course will therefore be directed toward the perfection of Jesus Christ, who is but the perfect and finished copy of the perfection of God himself. Be you therefore perfect, as also your heavenly Father is perfect. As it is impossible ever to attain to this height of perfection, we are obliged to tend ever onward. We can never think we have arrived, and so rest from our toil. Now the means of perfection which are offered to us by Jesus Christ consist in the observance of the law and the counsels. All the faithful are bound by the law, but religious, by their vocation, are bound also by the counsels. Are we to conclude, therefore, that pious people of the world do not have to follow these counsels? They are certainly under no real obligation to do so, but here is the danger they incur by not following them and by choosing to stop with observance of the law. If you content yourself with doing only what you have to do, I say to them, no one can reproach you. Sin is committed by breaking the law of God and in no other way. And the councils, being no part of this law as is indicated by their name, cannot oblige you under pain of sin. All very well. But suppose a violent struggle is before you. The devil hurls his legions against you. Temptations become more frequent and more irresistible. How long will your soul, behind the single rampart of the law, withstand the siege? Not long, surely. The first breach opened will be decisive and will force the citadel to yield. But if instead you are surrounded by the triple rampart of devotion, habitual prayer, and the law, before the enemy had overthrown all three, you would have time to petition our Lord and call him to your aid, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. As for the religious, he is held to the evangelical counsels both by his vows and his rule, which are the expression of them. But even his rule does not prescribe explicitly all possible perfection. If he keeps to the letter of it, and does not penetrate to its spirit, if he does not strive continually toward the complete perfection it implies, that is, the perfection of our Lord himself, he will be overtaken by a misfortune similar to the one I have foretold to the pious persons of the world who want to adhere only to the law. He will be but the lifeless semblance of a religious. We must never be content, then, with what we have, no matter what our condition in life, but must ever press forward. Cessation of progress would be the mark of certain decadence and the sign of approaching death, as the arrow which no longer flies upward descends unfailingly 
and falls to earth. This has been taken from Holy Communion by St. Peter Julian Emad. This and other books by St. Peter Julian Emad, the Apostle of the Eucharist, are available through MMR Publishing. For more information, call toll-free 877 395 2320